0: for like since I got back to Toronto every single day actually that's not true I should say every day I should say every day since my fucking avocados ripened which was in and of (laughs) itself a goddamn nightmare let me tell you I felt like every morning I would wake up I'd squeeze these fucking avocados and just pray to god that they were finally ready but when they finally were praise I would make (laughs) myself some delicious avocado toast would you like to hear my recipe
1: yes of course
0: okay so you make toast prefer like a whole wheat grainy kind of situation you got to get a oh, nice okay. like like too.
1: seeds are we talking like seeds around it or just yeah i like, like, like a some basic? seedy shit okay yeah good yeah
0: so you do that then you get some cream cheese preferably the kind that's like herbs and chives or whatever that bullshit you know oh your this cream was cream. unexpected well what were you expecting uh,
1: not cream cheese but well, continue i'm very... not, i'm not like i'm intrigued
0: all right so you get your cream cheese As this is happening, by the way, as you're toasting your bread and cream cheesing it, you should have (laughs) these fucking eggs frying. You should be making your eggs. Oh, okay. Because it's a very, it's a quick process, you know? You just like, bam, 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 bam. Next thing you know, toast ready. So... Yeah, you're frying your eggs as this is happening. You cut your avocados. You do the slices. I don't make, like, a mash of them because I feel like that's too much work. And also, I just, like, don't... That's not the vibe I'm going for with this toast. So, you slice them up. Make sure your toast has a bunch of them on. Then, you put your fucking fried egg on there. And when I do this, I, I don't feel like I know the technical terms of eggs well enough to, like, do anything in life to speak about eggs. Like... It's a fried egg. I I I put butter in a pan. I crack the egg on it, and then I like put the lid on because I find that that has the like it makes it so that you don't get the gooey stuff on top. Yeah, that's the worst. Yeah, it's the worst. So I do that, and then I only do that for a what like a short amount of time because I want it to still be nice and runny yolks. So that's that's my egg situation. Anyway. Okay. And are are are, your, are the edges of your eggs getting
1: crispy or is it staying like? Non not just not crispy.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't say that they're super crispy. I would say that they're like very clearly firm and like just on the outside of being crispy. Okay. So anyway, then you plop your egg on top of your avocado on this toast, right? Mm -hmm. Then you're gonna do a generous crack of pepper. You're gonna put a little Mm -hmm. bit of lava salt on there because that's my secret trick to all things. Tastes amazing. Perry got that that from me when she went to Iceland and it was dope. But I'm pretty sure you can get it literally anywhere. Yeah, the black salt fun it's real fun then because you're not done with your seasonings you just a little squirt of sriracha on top of that bad boy okay perfection chef's kiss emoji right there (laughs) that's that's the jazz but anyways that's been the only thing that's brought me joy in life recently besides of course your face and like the myriad of other things that i'm enjoying but that's been number one on the list just making my avocado toast every morning
1: I mean that sounds good. I feel like I never use another like spread other than avocado. I do kind of go more the
0: smashed See, avocado I route. I, yeah. If I smash it and turn it into like an avocado spread sort of experience, then it would be. But the yeah. avocado is really like a topping here, not a spread.
1: There we go. Okay. Yeah, it's a different it's a bit of a different breed. But that's nice.
0: Like Yeah. So I, highly I recommend do love
1: that. cream cheese
0: cream cheese yeah. is delightful I remember the first time I enjoyed cream cheese it was the summer before the fourth grade when I went to Tosca Webb's house in North Van because she just moved and her mom made bagel <laughs> like I'm well, not made because she just toasted some bagels yes. and there was cream cheese and I just remember being like I don't fucking like this because I was not pro cheese at this age which was a travesty oh. I know the fact that I ever had a time before cheese was just insane but anyways it's unfathomable frankly it is unfathomable (laughs) anyways so i just remember being like oh you got to eat this because you know she put it out there and she's telling you to do it and you want to be polite so i put a little bit on there and i was like oh i fuck with this (laughs) never mind yeah so that was great shout out to Tosca web's mom for that thanks girl very good yeah. So um Oh yeah, so avocados. The <laughs> avocados is the reason food.
1: that we are here today.
0: <laughs> um very exciting very exciting time's very exciting fruit as it turns out. Um, I know. Lots yeah. of thoughts on that. <laughs> Lots of thoughts. Oh, I read the headline of some snarly article that was just like it's a berry. Mm. I was like, everyone take a giant pill, please. It's a drope <laughs> <laughs> Droop. Something like that. I don't remember. I never
1: remember what that is. Mm-hmm. Um. So yes, and um. By the way, this is Pantry
0: Staples. Oh yes, the podcast where we dish on your favorite <laughs> foods. I'm Emily, and I'm Marika, and, and thank uh, you for listening. If you are listening, yeah. unless just... this is the void, in which case that's fine too. <laughs> Horrifying thought. Um. Anyway, yes, the topic of today is. The millennial favorite, avocados. Indeed, indeed. Um, My history portion is going to be not short, I want to say, but it's not going to do the traditional focus on, like, here's avocado in these different countries because we really don't – we're not interacting with it in quite the same way. But I'm very excited for your history because <laughs> it's going to be wild. I um, feel like – don't get – my history, I took a lot of – I. There's it's sidebar
1: it's sidebar okay. city up in I here. I was gonna say
0: today. when I talk when I say your history that's in serious scare quotes there, and uh it's just very much more like you're ranting and raving about <laughs> Scientific America. That's what I'm excited for. I want to hear oh yeah, from today. Oh oh yes. Um. So first, let me start if that's all right. Get into this. Yeah, ad. get into it. So first of all, I want to clarify that when we are talking about avocados. For my portion, I will be talking about avocados and using the term to refer to both the fruit and the tree because that is the thing. They are from trees. And I think we all kind of would assume that just like looking at them. But the the history of like the origin, genetically speaking, of the plant is the tree. And we have to deal with that so that we can figure out how it came to, you know, exist and where it existed and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I was not... Oh yeah, I was I'm not talking about that. like the family of it, the order, the the that sort oh. of stuff, the kingdom phylum whatever Class- bullshit. I'm not going to do the whole thing sure. because I'm clearly not. Also, again, just huge disclaimer that I don't know anything about plate tectonics except for that they happen <laughs> and rude. like genetics, but I am going to try and fuck with that. So here we go. Um Excellent. First of all, the family that avocados come from is the Lauraceae, which is a family of flowering plants. The laurel tree being one of them. I think that's when they talk about that family. That's kind of like the prime one. And obviously that's where the name kind of comes from, as you can see there. Um, the, or No, that's not where it comes from. That's where the laurel tree gets its name from. But anyways, clearly it's like... that's But it's that's related to line. laurels. We see- Yes, exactly. Yes. Okay. Um, okay, so this, weird. Weird, right? And when you look at that, the the laura cf order it's got like a whole bunch of weird things some of them are like edible and non-edible plants like it's it's interesting there's a bunch of different stuff going on there anyways are then- olives included oh i didn't look that up but, but i don't oh. think so i feel huh. like oh i feel like olives are a whole other thing did i tell you my cousin when I, once asked me if capers were mini olives that were just, like, pickled, basically. And I just genuinely thought to myself, I'm like, I have no fucking clue. Maybe they are. That seems <laughs> fine. Um, but huh. I don't know. This is not I an all of so. episode. Leave me alone. I'm just... Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> Carry just on. Let me get into there. Okay, anyways. So this family, the lorisia comes from the order Loreles, which originated in Gondwana Africa which is when i say Gondwana that is the name of like the tectonic plate area the continent that was in existence this is kind of like pangaea-esque times that i'm talking about wow okay yeah, this so, is the farthest back we've ever gone isn't it yeah because i was just kind of curious as to that sort of side of it today and also because i think it's important to know that so we can see kind of how it adapted to become the actual thing. Yeah. Anyways, so this thing, this, the laurel is, is in Godwana, Africa. The family Lauraceae migrated to Laurasia, which is the ancient continent arrangement that includes North America, Europe, and Asia, minus India. Um, and then this plant split and went one direction into Asia and the other direction into North America. So whatever happened in Asia, I'm not too sure. But what happened in North America was avocados. In North America, the clade Persia, which is part of the scientific name of avocados, found a home. And then, because of favorable climate, this is kind of after the Paleocene glaciation in North America and the movement of the tectonic plates and everything, it ends up in Central and South America. So this was allowed. This is what allowed the speciation of avocados. So basically. It, like, moved one way. It was kind of in Northern America. And then... Or, yeah, North America. And then it got kind of too cold. And everybody was like, oh, this was, was, like, a bad time up here. And so went to a place where it was going to be nice and warm. And that So, so are to... you saying that...
1: Sorry. Absolutely. You're saying that people then brought it down? Like, when no, no, people no. moved, they brought the plants? Oh, no. It was just... <laughs> this is the thing.
0: When, they. They, the avocados. <laughs> the plants. Okay. The plants. And, like, obviously the animals that, like, helped them migrate and stuff like that. Yeah. But basically what I'm saying is that there's all these different plants that are kind of like similar to avocados. They're not 100% there yet. They're moving. They're trying to find favorable conditions. They end up in Central South America and obviously Mexico as well. Because yes, Mexico is like, again, with corn, the homeland of this food Mm. or one of the homelands because it's a little bit more diverse this time around. Anyways, so we see this happening. Like, this is I want to say sixty-five million years ago that this is potentially happening, or like thirty-five million years. I looked it up, but then I there were so many different names for like the Cenozoic era, and like, anyways, I'm doing my best it's, here. It's just so far in the past. So far in the past, your head would explode, unless you believe the world started two thousand and twenty years ago, in which case, that's not correct. It's much before that. No, nobody even thinks. uh, I don't know. What do these people think? It's like flat earthers. I I just don't know what they're thinking. Okay. We're not, we're not going to get into that one. There's a documentary on flat earthers that Perry keeps telling me to watch. And I really mean to get to it because it sounds fascinating. And you know, know your enemy and all that (laughs) because they are my enemies. (laughs) <laughs> so Please tell me more about avocados. Sorry. There is evidence that avocados were around years ago during the Cenozoic era. Um again, this is I think from my reading this was about um 34,000 or 34 million years ago, but it's mm-hmm. like straight through. Like it's quite an extensive time period, so it's quite close to us. Um although Anyways, these avocados were slightly different. There was less flesh around the pit. The pit was a little bit larger. Um, mm. So this Cenozoic era was also the era of the megafauna, which basically, as you can tell from the name, just means really big fucking mammals. Like, huge. <laughs> this is when we have mammoths, some, like, massive horses, and something that I just recently learned about called the giant land sloth, which, <gasps> yes! Have you heard of this before? Yes, I it's- love it wild it's the description that one article gave them was something the size of a ups truck so just like (laughs) when you think of sloths the way that they are now that's not what it is there is one also article that talks about like mothers and their babies like playing around to get avocados and in one of them they're like yeah the like newborn sloths are like climbing trees because they can only do this when they're really young because they're too fucking big later (laughs) <laughs> Which was adorable. So, anyways, that's that's the sloths. It's good for them. That's fun. I like it. Yeah. So, anyways, so around this time, when you have this megafauna happening, you have all these adaptations and evolution of the avocado plant happening, kind of at the same time, and also kind of in response to this, the avocado evolved and adapted to be best suited to thrive alongside these huge creatures. Because these mammals were so large, they treated avocados like snacks on the go, and they would just eat them whole. Throw them down, and then mm-hmm. they would move somewhere else, and they would defecate the seed. So this allows the seed to grow in an area free from competition of the parent plant. So avocados are so well adapted to these animals that when these megafauna creatures go extinct, it's it, they shouldn't be able to exist without them. Like they are so intertwined that it's mm. like kind of a bit of a historical mystery as to how they were okay, they call it, I think, a historical anachronism, which is a good term for this. Anyways.
1: So, um, mm, yes. Well, so did all of, like, all of the super big animals just, like, died
0: out? Yeah. Like, anything of that size. So we're not seeing, and then this is also before humans, too, who would be the other kind of parent, like, carrier thing that keeps the species going. So Mm -hmm. it's a really interesting time period. There's about I think it's, like, 13,000 years in between these two things where it's, like, there's no reason that avocados should still be, like, as popular and as, like, widespread as they are because there's just nothing to help them like that. You... And it's not like
1: they went, like, completely dormant and then all of a sudden sort of, like, reemerged. No. no it's like they were still everywhere.
0: They're still just kicking it around, which is crazy. So, yeah. again, reasons why they should not be able to exist without these megafauna, the smaller animals are less interested in this food and would not spread it nearly as far. Usually, if they ate it at all, they are just, like, eating the... They get the, the skin off, and then they eat the flesh, and then they leave the pit close by to where the tree is, so it would have to compete with the parent plant, so it's not going to do as well. Or mm. they... The two things that they kind of think maybe this is what helped keep it going is that they would think like rodents had some like, or like squirrel-like behaviors of like burying the seeds underground other places. So that's one option. Or the avocados would get like really lucky and one day a, a jaguar would eat the entire seed because they had large enough like everything basically to swallow it whole and then do the same sort of defecating it in a separate area. Really doesn't seem
1: like a food that a jaguar would want, though.
0: No, they're completely carnivorous. That's the other thing. But I think they (laughs) kind of, in the article, were like, maybe the jaguars thought of this as, like, dessert.
1: I love that. I hope that's true. kind of
0: an adorable thought, right? It's just like, la, 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 la. If you eat an entire buffalo or something. (laughs) I don't know. Whatever they eat. Um, Anyways. (laughs) So this leaves avocados as an evolutionary anachronism. That was the term. The continued survival of this plant, like I said, is thought to be the result of all of these things. Um, The humans come around, they cultivate avocados so that the fleshy part of the food increases. So we have it today. Like, it's not just a huge pit and then a skin and like a little bit in there. Like, we need a little bit more bang for our buck. So in them cultivating it like this, it makes it a more like popular and a worthwhile foodstuff for us to fuck with basically and from here popularity grew so I have a really interesting quote from uh Connie Barlow's article haunting the wild avocados which was fabulous and also like a five minute read so I highly recommend that one for you because it's it's just like so dramatic about the descriptions of like going to a grocery store and like these are the ghosts of all these like past (laughs) evolutionary processes and I was like oh yes please so anyways they say the identities of the dispersers shifted every few million years but from an avocados perspective a big mouth is a big mouth and a friendly gut is a friendly gut the passage <laughs> of a trifling 13,000 years since the Pleistocene extinction is too soon to exhaust the patience of genus Persea which is avocados mm. the genes that shaped fruits ideal for megafauna retain a powerful memory of the extraordinary mutualistic relationship so like How lovely. They were just chilling and were like best friends with all the megafauna. I thought it was adorable.
1: And now they're just like waiting for their new best friends, which is humans.
0: But they're like, they're not waiting. They're just like, they're straight chilling. Every time someone eats them, they're just like, yeah, this seems fine. Like, we're doing great. Don't worry about it, guys. Again, the vibe that I got from this reading, like, I don't know why, but the the characterization of avocados in that phrase really set the tone for how I was thinking about it because I was like, these guys are just so chill. They're just like, whatever. I'm going to be here until you guys want to make some guac. If you want to just like get us, that's cool. But like, otherwise I can wait. So that was cute. So we have again, like this scene. Tehuasin- oh my god, I suck, Tehuacán Valley in Mexico, sorry, is kind of considered one of the historical homes of avocados. And we see it being a very staple food in Mexico, as well as in Central and South America. So a couple of fun like linguistic facts here. The Aztecs called avocados ahuacate, which means testicle, which I'm sure you saw in your reading. I but, didn't see, no. Oh my goodness, I love it. Where did you know that from then? I knew, I knew
1: that it was aguacate. I have like when I get into specifically California avocados, uh-huh. I have, like, a bit of a rough quote, which I <laughs> a bit of a rough stuff. But...
0: <laughs> um, lovely. Anyways, and also avocados usually grew in pairs, so that was, like, a fun, perfect name mm-hmm. for them. Uh, when the Spanish invaded, they called them avocados because there's two thoughts on this. One, because the indigenous word sounded like the Spanish word abogado, which means lawyer, which I was like, mm-hmm. that seems like a weird jump. You're, you know, legal advice dispensing fruit. Um... Anyways, or from the Nahuatl word, ahuacati, which again means testicle. So there you go. Which is interesting. So now we can talk a little bit about some of the early groups that cultivated avocados in these areas. So you have the Corral civilization in Peru. This is, Peru is about as far as they discuss them spreading in South America before kind of like, colonialization interacts with it and then they become, like, massively widespread across the globe. But, like, Peru is kind of where that seemed like the cutoff was in that area. Um, Okay. So you have botanical remains suggested that avocados were grown here from 1200 BCE and because of the lack of evidence of other food sources like corn and other grains, it's probable that the avocado was a huge portion of this population's diet. So that's really interesting. Again, Mm. the fact that people can just, like, go in to an area and start digging around and are like yeah and this is what people were eating like 1200 years ago like that's dope af or i guess 32 it's like
1: how do you know
0: yeah yeah people are so crazy clever scrapes yeah one of them was saying how or like an article that i read was saying how in like incan mummies they found like avocado pits in the like the thing the and like their stomach lining oh (laughs) because they wouldn't have had the pit in there um if so, that might have been what put them there because it's definitely toxic to us. <laughs> Although I don't choked. think it can kill you, but still. Also just like how hard on your throat that would be.
1: Man, it's
0: mm, unpleasant. Unpleasant, yeah. Anyways, so that's the Keral civilization in Peru. So then you have the Mokaya civilization in Mesoamerica, which includes Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, Belize, Nicaragua, and Costa Rica. Um, the word Mukaya... uh Mokaya, there you go, means maize. However, it's actually thought that maize wasn't like the primary food source for them, but rather um, the fruits from trees around them, including the avocado. Uh, so this civilization is the predecessor to the Olmec and Maya cultures, and may pass their knowledge of, like, these foodstuffs onto them, which is really interesting. So then you have the Maya culture in Mexico. Their creation myths center on trees as life-forming with regards to avocados specifically. They'd been domesticating them since 3400 BCE. On their calendar, the 14th month uses the glyph that represents the avocado. And the months were ascribed, their glyphs uh, uh from the significant agricultural events that were happening there so clearly oh, it was cool. important enough that they were like yeah fucking put it on the calendar kids um yeah this is this is the avocado season like this is which is so cool yeah. right um, that is cool there's also a tomb that was found there and it's called the pacal tomb from the palanque mexico area with Figures depicted emerging from the earth with a significant tree behind them uh, including like cacao, avocados, that sort of thing, which mm-hmm. tells us a myth that the Mayans believe that their ancestors were reborn as trees. So I think such a cool portion of this history of them is that it's very, like, not just a significant foodstuff in terms of, like, the nutritional properties of it, but also it's very culturally significant. It's very, mm-hmm. like, embedded within their tradition and, like, their belief system. Yeah, and, like, histories and, like, yeah yeah that's cool so we see evidence that avocados weren't just important within these cultures but also as items of trade outside of it so there's evidence that shows that the Olmec tribe that was one of the ones that came from the Maya, um they Uh, had contact with the papayacina tribe in honduras in 1200 to 1000 bce which corresponds with avocado remains that they actually found in this area so that's cool we see them actually just like trading these things and spreading them across Mm -hmm. these areas um so by the time the spanish invaders had arrived in mexico South and Central America, the avocado had already these deep cultural roots and were established as very significant crops. It was also another thing that I thought really interesting, frequently used as uh, an item for tribute amongst the different tribes. So if you were paying tribute to an area, sometimes that would be done through avocados.
1: So were they like really prevalent? Like they were just like everywhere? Or was it more like this is like a really great but sort of like more rare Food. the
0: impression that i was under is that they are quite like they're very pre- present like they're mm-hmm. i think especially from some of the descriptions that you get from the maya civilization is very much just like this land of plenty with like these really gorgeous forests like uh just completely overrun with like the bounty of nature so i'm thinking avocados were quite quite present and again like yeah. it does when we discuss the different kinds of avocados that exist um we have I'll do that now. The Persia Americana variety Drymifolia, which is the Mexican one, so they have good cold tolerance, small fruits, and thin purple black skin. So then you get into the Persia Americana variety Guatemalancia, which is from Guatemala. They have thick, tough skin, semi cold tolerance, and they stay green until ripe. Then you have the Persia Americana variety Americana. This is the West Indian, so like the kind of the Caribbean areas there. These are suited to humid tropical climates, sweeter flesh than the others. So as you can see, they've kind of adapted to the climates that they're in mm. which I think indicates that you would be able to find them pretty well anywhere.
1: Yeah, and it's also kind of a testament to like what we've seen before where these they can survive a lot even when they're not necessarily I don't know, like like adapted to it originally.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is super cool. Um so then a little bit of just the historical stuff as soon as you have the fucking Spanish arriving. So the first written record of the avocado that we currently have, side note, this is not the first written record because a lot of the records in this area were destroyed by these colonizers. Um, mm. But the first written record in Europe is by Martin Fernandez de Enciso, Enciso? in la suma de geografia which is published in seville in 1519 where he describes avocados and i thought this was great an orange and when ready for eating it turns yellowish that which it contains is like butter and is marvelous flavor so good and pleasing to the palate that it is a marvelous thing which like no fucking wonder we're so obsessed with these things how could you not be after reading that description (laughs) So that was dope. The Spanish loved avocados so much that they spread them throughout their colonies. Uh so in Indonesia, we have them introduced by 1750, the Philippines by 1890. Um let's see, Spain as a whole got them in 1601. Uh Mauritius. How do you say that? I'm so bad at this. Uh Mauritius, got in isn't it? Seven Mauritius. Anyways, they got those in 1780. Uh Brazil, interestingly, this was a point that I thought was kind of interesting because um it's like within that kind of area, but like I said it don't we don't think it spread much further past Peru. So getting it all the way down to Brazil didn't happen until 1809. Again, I would be a little suspect of that, but anyways, uh, United States mainland in 1825, South Africa and Australia in the late 19th century and then all the way over to what is described then as the Ottoman Empire in 1908. Is that still the Ottoman Empire?? How long were the yes. Ottomans doing things? Okay,
1: so, like, I don't even fully understand what, like, an Ottoman is. It's a piece of furniture did like... you know. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was, I was, I walked right into that one. I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, like, is it, like, a, there, are they,
0: like, Turkish? I think so. Again, this is a conversation for another day. We don't know anything I think the thing to remember, around. okay, so
1: 1908, it's before World War One, and, like, in yeah. World War One, like, all of the, like, empires
0: started faltering in, yeah well the old empires fuck em. um in that <laughs> book that we're reading there was that really interesting portion about how in world war one we like totally like whitewashed that history and how completely ignore how much like africa and asia and all these other like countries were totally involved in this because of all these yeah. bullshit decisions that everybody had made so basically fuck colonialism yet again <laughs> mm-hmm. anyways mm-hmm. um so that's cool um, so I think like, that's kind of the last of my history because like, again, at this point it's fucking in the markets. People are obsessed with it and I'm going to let you get into it because a lot of the popularization is I think kind of more your vibe, but I did just want to say like, like just a quick note, the foods that we love so much and are so integral to our diet have such deep roots in colon, like colonization. So I think the denial of these origins of these foods is like really an erasure of the culture that were essentially wiped out. Like... Avocados are the official fruit of California. Like, what the fuck about that? That's rude. Oh, that's like ninety. Well,
1: that's like a huge part of what I'm going to talk about today.
0: It's just it's 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 insane that we don't see like where these things come from properly because they are so tied to the history of these places. And I think that's why we're super interested in studying all these foods. Is like we want to know about these places kind of of the past a little bit. So, anyways, that's my yeah. vibe for today. I love it. Just a little bit of angst minor. <laughs> just like angst light. Yeah, angst light. All right. Great well mark.
1: let's let's start us off like nice and fun and fluffy with ye old Scientific American. This article coming at us live from July of nineteen twenty-nine. <laughs> and it's they're they call them alligator pears in this, which I love that. I, just, I love it. It's so adorable.
0: Also, just on a note about the names of like how we, like in Western countries, were like very unsure of what to call these fruits. Did you read the article about how like a woman went to Marks and Spence, bought some avocados in like Britain, and she then returned them because I think they called them something pears, not alligator pears, but something, and she tried to make a pudding with them and it like didn't work out. And she like, "I came did back not got, read that, but that's hilarious, right? And so then, after that, this grocery store had to start selling these avocados with like a pamphlet of how to use them, basically just being like, "Hey, have you tried fucking with salad lately? Like stop making dessert with these things." anyways, yes that was yeah. please
1: continue. I mean, okay, but the, actually okay, but actually though, in like Central America, they do eat them as fruits like Holy- they're just like. Like, it is a dessert food.
0: I was reading, and, like, especially, okay, in, like, Asian countries, a lot of the time, they're used in milkshakes, or sometimes, where was it? I think it might have actually been Brazil, where they're like, oh, we just, like, mush it up with some sugar, and, like, that's how we do, and it's super weird that you guys are into savory things with it. So, basically, avocados are the real MVP. They
1: work, they can do anything. I mean, have you made chocolate avocado pudding?
0: I haven't, no, but I should. It definitely. was like a
1: big trend. I mean, it was a big trend a while ago.
0: But. See, I always really approve whenever they use avocado in sweet things because I feel like all too often in those sorts of situations, they'll use bananas instead. And it's like, oh, making like an at-home chocolate pudding with like vegan ingredients and you just like mm. fucking throw a banana in there. I'm like, no, just like make it an avocado instead. Just or just fucking chocolate. use dairy. <laughs> Okay.
1: Well, anyway, so alligator pears. Oh my God. Sorry. (sighs) This article. I like literally just want to read you the whole thing because... Please
0: do. Dramatic reading right I mean,
1: okay. I'm not, but it's, I'm, there's going to be a lot of quotes. Okay. So starts off, this is 1929, starts off talking about how Florida and Southern California have started growing a ton of avocado plants. And then like, it really gets into how much the author basically thinks that they taste bad. (laughs)
0: It's okay like we have a okay. new crop and it's shitty
1: it's like okay so the they start with the classic like schoolyard like t- tomato argument Ugh. so it says quote this singular fruit which is in substance a vegetable Ugh. so then so there's that so then they say Quote, many have eaten avocados, but do not like them at first. They are somewhat insipid and seem to lack flavor, even though they are nutritious.
0: Do you need me to read you that quote about that dude who was so impressed with them? Because this is not the general consensus. Fuck these guys writing this article. All right. So then they go
1: into the nutrition. So the quote, the fats, the proteins, and the carbohydrates, all the food elements are found in the avocado that are in a mixed (laughs) diet of beefsteak, bread, and butter. So basically... Eating an avocado is just like eating steak and toast. (laughs) (laughs) Don't eat anything else. I mean. Don't eat anything else. Fair. Um, So then there's a slightly questionable section on like tortillas and the way that avocados are eaten in Mexico and Guatemala that I just like skimmed. Mm. Um, They do talk about how the demand for avocados has like really started to increase. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 1929, like you were saying there, it was already, like, fairly popular, but it seems like this was, like, a big boom year for them, Mm -hmm. and, like, maybe before this, they would only have been available, like, in Florida or Southern California, like, where they were grown, but um, in this article they're talking about, it's, like, soon you'd be able to get it in, like, all grocery stores, which is crazy, because I don't think about, like, lots of fresh vegetables and, like. The 30s and 20s?
0: It's just so interesting. I've been really trying to like wrap my head around the concept of like food deserts recently and just trying to think Mm. about how goddamn lucky we are to live in places where we have access to so much fresh produce. And like the fact that historically and geographically that's not a fucking thing for everybody. Like if we lived in the Yukon, it costs like a bazillion dollars to get an apple. And I don't even like apples a bazillion dollars worth. No. And, like, usually, like, they're not ripe. So
1: then, yeah, yeah, so the author is very careful to note about, like, because ripeness for avocados, as per your struggle, is cute. So he says, quote, The avocado should be eaten dead ripe, as then it is at its best, and one can more readily learn to like it.
0: I hate this person writing this article so much. The fact that they think Ugh. that I need to learn to like an avocado. Ridiculous. Okay, no, it's
1: gonna get worse. So then Ugh. they
0: finally conclude
1: by, like, going back and, like, deciding that it is a fruit. Ugh. Because, for, quote, the flesh is soft about the consistency of a dead-ripe banana and very smooth melting and custardy.
0: Bitches be tripping. I mean, like, yeah, true. That's true.
1: But, like, I just imagine, like, if you'd never eaten an avocado and then you bought one and, like, ate it going solely off of this, like, description, you'd be, like, shook.
0: You'd be shook indeed. Also, just, like, how great is it that there's still many foods out there that we get to eat for the first time? I've been thinking about that a lot recently. Just, like, I haven't tasted everything. Mm. How nice.
1: I know. I feel like I haven't eaten anything for the first time in a long time, but it's always very fun.
0: I feel like I had something for the first time recently. Oh, it was a varietal of hot spicy pepper. I can't remember Ooh. the name now, but I was like, "Oh yeah, nice. I haven't tasted this before." It was nice. nice. Spicy. <laughs> Please continue. Yeah, okay. So now we're
1: going to bring us back to this fun, you know, super not at all problematic or colonial, except completely both of those things, project um mm-hmm. that the USDA led in the late 19th century, where they sent agents on expeditions to find new fruits and vegetables that could be hybridized to grow in the United States and then exported in the global market.
0: I feel like, okay, I also briefly looked at that, and I would just like to say right off the top, it's so important to note here that, like, the language used in this, like, mandate is so focused on profitability. Like, this isn't like, oh. hey, I'm interested in these weird exotic fruits. Like, let's bring a new taste to the people. No, no, it's like, what can we make money on? Yeah,
1: it, they're literally called economic plants.
0: Oh yes, that was like, the term. Thank the
1: you. fundamental goal of this project, which, like, the... I guess it doesn't necessarily outright state, but it does if you just look at it's like what they're looking for. So they're going to quote unquote exotic non Western regions to bring back plants that will be a commercial success for the US and that they can like like indigenize or not even, but like claim they, they modify them slightly and be like, this is the American like mango. Oh, like I it's like crazy. So the guy specifically that we're looking at here is Wilson Popeno. Popeno? Popeno? Who Popeno? Yeah, there were a bunch of dudes and there was like you all sound like massive jerks. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the worst.
0: The first one was his name like John something and I was like you it starts with an F when I was reading about it and I was like this prick. I'm
1: yeah, like, yeah. And like it- they're pictures of like fur hats and this like <gasps> in like traditional Manchurian dress and
0: you're like bro okay, I saw one where Bro. he was on a horse in tri- Tibetan Yay. clothes. Like, y'all need to leave Tibet alone. Leave Tibet alone. Leave everyone alone, really. Just, like, everyone stay in your lanes. <laughs> Be excited about fruit, but just try to go away. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, Wilson Popono. Brought back, like, a bunch of different tropical plants, and, but, like, his main one was in, like, the mid to late 19-teens. He spent mm-hmm. 16 months in Guatemala collecting 23 varieties of avocado to bring back to the
0: U.S. Which That's is cool. Super
1: fun that there's that many varieties of avocado. Yeah, that's the other thing so I didn't times. even
0: touch on how many there are. There's, like, a fuck ton. And when you see some of the pictures of them, you're like, this does not look like an avocado. And it's pretty nifty. Yeah. So yeah so as we were oh, saying sorry. before uh, I have to quickly discuss the fact that you, okay, the pits are like obviously the seeds and you know how seed banks are like the coolest things in the whole world you can't save avocado seeds in a, a like a seed bank because they like will just rot and go bad which is so sad because we're losing all this genetic diversity in the different crops of avocados but they've recently found a way that they think that they can freeze them like cryogenically or something so that's another cool thing that's happening please continue sorry to interrupt that's super cool right seed yeah. banks in general the future
1: yes but also or the past evil i don't know uh Anyway, I refuse to acknowledge them as evil I think Dep- they're the cool depends ever. who's in charge. As True. True true true, true Always. True. Okay. So yes, the clear as we've already kind of touched on, the clear ideological impetus behind the whole mission was one of, you know, like the world is mine for the taking. <sighs> so but it's
0: the supposed quote, need, yeah. To <laughs> oh. quote Florence Givens, my favorite Instagram hoe you cut white men and they bleed audacity. <laughs> Uh
1: Yes, so it's like, yes They're all going off the supposed need For US agricultural development Which, in their minds Justified, like, a literal Theft and mm-hmm. transplantation Of foreign plants But it gets darker mm. Of course Later, the United States barred entry To a lot of the sample plants When they were coming from their like Legitimate country of origin So it's like So, for example, up until very recently, avocados from Mexico and Central America were not allowed to be imported to the U.S.
0: So they basically just, like, went there, grabbed some for their own, started growing them, and are like, it's cool, we got our own California avocados, fuck the ones from Mexico, they can't come to the party.
1: Yes, I think, but then they also do a thing where it's, like, they'll grow, like, American, like, the American hybrid varieties in the, like original countries but then those ones can be grown back but if it's like you can't bring in like a an indigenous guatemalan <sighs> avocado into the states even though probably the ones in the states are based off of one of those 23 varieties that pope no brought in Oh my god
0: that's So deep, yeah
1: so yes. as we've kind of talked about before like with fish sauce the mm-hmm. USDA FDA scrutiny of like fruits and vegetables anything that's going to be imported, is super intense. There's, so the mango example is a big one from that one article, and so Mm -hmm. it's basically, like, the only mangoes permitted import into the U.S. come from four hybrid seed varietals developed in the U.S. and then reintroduced into Mexico and elsewhere.
0: And that's, like, (laughs) such a douchey thing to, like, it's just, like, a rude commentary. Like, actually, our variety is the only one that works. Yours is crappy and, like, not safe and we don't want it like i feel like often the language that those sorts of things are like disguised within is like about safety for the genetic like products in the country is it not yeah
1: well i mean and sure but it's like you have to remember you're they're not protecting like it's not like indigenous crops indigenous plants like the, the stuff that they stole in the first place and like brought in so it's yeah it's it is a new version of colonial appropriation and control ridiculous (laughs) yeah and and going back to again like kind of like what we were seeing with fish sauce it's the view that an like supposed quote quote ordered american version of a tropical foreign plant is better or safer like for Mm -hmm. american consumption than the original
0: oh (sighs) and like of course at the same time this is happening we're basically just adding plastic to all of our food and like just fucking everything up to no end with all this like hybridization and genetic modification and blah 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 blah.
1: Like Yeah, and and you're getting away from like the air heirloom varietals and like different Mm -hmm. like diversity where it's all just like yeah, like the same four you see everywhere. Ugh ridiculous. All right. So shall we speak specifically about the California avocados? This is taken directly from the California avocado website, which love it. So the California avocados are the Haas, H-A-S-S, the Haas avocados. They are like bumpy, black-skinned variety that's like pretty much everywhere.
0: Like the one that you would see if you went to the grocery store.
1: Yeah. Like 95% of the time. Yes, definitely. And it, it makes me think of the time when Blake was living in California and he lived like very close to this place with a bunch of avocado trees. And he was just like, they just like fell on the ground. And then I could just like take like an arm full of avocados home and just like eat them that's Which amazing is maybe a fun way of like getting back
0: <laughs> yeah like just like Avocado fuck you, i'm not gonna pay for this no. um i love that that's my fantasy just so many avocados ripe constantly oh yeah i'm down to <sighs> my last three ripe avocados in the house right now and i'm stressed that i'm gonna have to go through like the whole process of ripening them again
1: yeah of course you are anyways so, okay, how about this uh, completely unproblematized mention of the Aztec genocide that's in the <laughs> history of California avocados? Okay, so, quote, Spanish conquistadors loved the fruit but couldn't pronounce it and changed the Aztec word to a more manageable aguacate, which eventually became avocado in English. Fuck right off. That's so brutal. <laughs> just like so cash.
0: Just like, pfft, can't pronounce it. Let's just change it. Oh, and the just like the conquistador is like, why are you making it sound so fun that you went in and like decimated culture?
1: Yeah, no, Ugh. no, it's just like a fun, like they just love the fruit. Oh. <laughs> uh so the Hass Avo. Was discovered in the late uh, 1920s and then patented by Rudolf Haas. Haas? Haas. Haas. Haas, In (laughs) 1935, (laughs) they replaced the formerly more widespread Fuerte avocado in the late 70s and now account for 95% of avocados grown in California. So yeah, so the Haas is like dark-skinned, bumpy, Mm -hmm. whatever, apparently has like a... Richer, nuttier flavor, and longer shelf life, according to California Avocado, (laughs) aka their PR team. The
0: fucking PR team, bullshit people. But it's like,
1: I don't know, I've never had a fuerte. I think that they are more like lighter, like maybe like a smoother skin, like the green.
0: Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. green
1: on the outside, and like the inside is mm, like paler.
0: That tracks. I don't know. When you were in Asia, did you ever have avocados when you were there? I'm just curious as to what kind they're selling. Because I feel like I've been a few places. Uh, I don't think we did. I don't think I guess we're going to have to go to Asia.
1: I don't think it's like as big of a thing.
0: Apparently in the Philippines they're quite popular. That makes sense. But the Philippines and like. Well, because it's a Spanish colony.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: But like when we're in Spain, I feel like I had avocado. And I feel like it seemed very similar to what I was used to. So I didn't. Either I didn't notice a difference or it's the same Haas variety. I'm curious as to what they're Well, I at.
1: imagine, so yes, so like I have said there, like, 95% of the avocados grown in California are the Haas, mm-hmm. and so, like, then, therefore, like, California is the biggest avocado producer right. in the States, but, like, the U.S. consumes the most avocados of the whole world, and yeah. they import, like, 90% of their avocados from Mexico.
0: Yeah, Tracks.
1: So it's, like, even, like, they're growing tons in California, but it's not enough. And I imagine maybe they're, like, exporting a lot of those. And hmm. But as we've seen before, it could be that, like, then they've taken the Haas and, like, transplanted it in other, like, places because it's sort of become the, like, archetypal avocado. Yeah.
0: Good word choice there, archetypal.
1: Fun word. Thanks. It's one mm. of my faves. Mm. So um, speaking of avocados and farming in California... Here's a super fun and not at all depressing sidebar about labor trafficking. Woo! So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Most of the, like, all of this information pretty much comes from a chapter titled Labor Trafficking in the 2017 book Modern Slavery by Siddhartha Kara. And, um... Yeah, the the impetus for this particular like chapter was more about like almonds, but I oh, imagine that it,
0: yeah, almonds are fucked. This is why we shouldn't <sighs> be drinking almond milk. We should all be into oat milk.
1: Yeah, so they're definitely part of this. So, low wage migrant workers are the cornerstone of agricultural production in California. Most of them come from Mexico and Central South America, like because it's close. Yeah. So there is a guest worker program where the migrants get an H-2A visa. So that's one way that you can be a migrant worker and work in the States legally. Scare quotes again.
0: And by legally, do you mean like modern day slavery sort of?
1: I sure do. But okay. But so it's like, so yeah, so that is one way that migrants can come in. So you have your H-2A visa, but then like, obviously, as we know, there are thousands who arrive and work undocumented. Uh, So labor trafficking, uh, just like a quick definition is quote, under us and international law, if he or she is recruited, transported, transferred or harbored through force, fraud or, or coercion for the purpose of forced labor, slavery or debt bondage. Hmm. So how do we get to that point? Migrants are recruited to work in the U.S. by enganchadores, which is, like, a literal uh, meaning—it's like, down payment,
0: apparently. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so, like, they—they're, like, recruited, they're like, hey, come work here, and, like, that's a down payment on, like, your paperwork kind of stuff, or?
1: I don't—it literally—the chapter just, like, they just said that's what enganchadores means— I'm not sure if it means, like, down payment, like, you pay them to then get work, or it's, like, because they technically work for, like, the farms in the U.S., so it's, they are a down payment on getting labor.
0: Oh, interesting. I think it's probably, like, closer to that one, maybe.
1: Maybe, yeah. So, basically, they work for the farms. Yes. Sort of. So they uh the enganchadores get workers uh either this H2A visa or they connect them with a coyote who then enables the migrants to cross the border in sort of less uh like legitimate. I don't want to say illegal like no. yeah like without basically without paperwork. Yeah. And sometimes the enganchadores and coyotes are like either the same person or they are like part of a larger network. Everyone's working together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So then once in the U S the migrants are handed off to a farm labor contractor or FLC from now on, uh, who basically takes control of their lives completely. Their visa, if they have one is taken away. And then the FLC manages the job contract, housing, wages, food, everything for the migrant
0: when you say that their visas are taken away do you mean like they're stolen and they never get them back or it's like a holding thing until the end of the like i just want to know like how scary it's like a
1: we'll hang on to this i mean i don't fully know but it's basically like Mm. so you're here yeah great your visa like i'll just hang on to this for safekeeping but then also like so you can't go work anywhere else but also the thing with these h2a visas is you can't work for anyone else you're only legally allowed to work for the like farm like you're bonded to the
0: fucking farm of your like you're a serf for that fucking lord <laughs> disgusting
1: yeah i mean it's tough because in in it's supposed to be a good system it's just falls prey to like bureaucracy and people who take advantage of course mm-hmm. okay so these flcs are obviously able to exploit the migrants into coercive labor conditions not only by withholding their documents and controlling their source of income but also by piling on more debts through fees that may or may not be legitimate and usually aren't, uh, both from the coyotes or the enganchadores. Uh, so Cara, the uh, the author of this article, uh, speaks to migrant workers who say that they are charged fees for rent, food, medical assistance, and lawyer costs, even though legally, like as mandated in this visa, pro- like guest worker program, the employers are expected to pay for this and the costs are like minimal in terms of the money saved by paying the low wages. So basically the employers have already paid this. It's just- They're like
0: double ending it basically.
1: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of times there'd be things where the migrant maybe is able to pay for their way, but then they're never reimbursed that cost, which they're supposed to be. Like legally, it's like, yeah, if you get your cost of travel reimbursed after you complete 50% of the work.
0: This is why you get your money up front.
1: I guess, but it's like, anyway, so you'd think obviously that undocumented migrants would have it worse because that's sort of the, what we're told in general, like, well, they didn't do it the right way. So, you know,
0: I don't know. I feel like it'd be easier not to be wrapped in all this bureaucratic bullshit with these liars.
1: But they do, right? But they are. So they're recruited by the same people and come work. Oh. They just don't have the visa. So they have to contend with the fear of being deported if they don't like continue to work and pay off both the Enganchadores and the Coyotes. Jeez. But like the migrants on these visas, like they have basically the same fear. So because they come to the U.S. believing that they have like a good, like a wage-paying job, which they're supposed to, yeah. So a bit about the guesswork program. It was designed to allow agricultural employers facing a shortage in labor uh, locally, hire foreign workers on a seasonal temporary basis. Uh, as I've said sort of before, their workers are meant to be provided with free housing during their contract, offered the same like health and safety protections as US workers who are doing the same jobs. They should have benefits for medical costs, free legal services relating to their visas, and then reimbursement for the cost of travel upon completion of 50 percent of their contract Uh, kara shows that flc's deduct exorbitant fees from the workers paychecks to cover the cost of these supposedly free basic services which is actually apparently there's like a bit of a loophole so it's like they can kind of get away with this because uh in the work the guest work program the employers can charge a quote Reasonable fee to help arrange transportation and documentation, but as we have seen in Ugh, lots the definition
0: of reasonable,
1: reasonable is heckin slippery. So yeah, because of all of these deductions taken during the first season of work, most of the migrant workers are barely able to make you know enough money to have it be worth their while. But the FLCs have a great option to help them out. Stay and work another season. Just just you know, just keep working. Like what have you else got to lose? Well, of course. This means staying past the visa's expiration date.
0: Oh, that's so fucked.
1: But it means making more money to send home. So it's they're also said that it's like, yeah, like, oh well if you stay an extra like season, then you'll make this much, like more money.
0: It's just so sad. Like there's there's no words for it. It's just so sad.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so obviously most of them stay, but at that point they have become indentured laborers because if they were to leave or try and work anywhere else, they would be deported for staying, like in the country illegally, past the, oh. past their visa. Uh, Kara uh, interviews a man named Douglas who owns farmland in the Central Valley of California, so he's like a farmer. He says that he's like he doesn't uh, subscribe to these, like exploitive tactics. But again, like, it's actually not the farm owners. Like, the farm owners rarely have anything to do with the migrants themselves. It's all of these, like, like the contractors. The,
0: like, middlemen kind of guys. Yeah,
1: these, like, farm labor contractors. Mm. So, but he says, like, he basically explains why so many farms adopt the exploitive methods. Um, so I'm going to read his quote, which is, like, kind of long. Also, mm. he calls migrant workers aliens, which I do
0: not I'm a little bit
1: uncomfortable with yeah so i'm just gonna be like these are not my words okay so this is douglas quote i pay the same wages to my aliens as i do to my Mm. u.s workers most farms out here don't and that brings wages down without a doubt no one with a straight face who knows what they're talking about will tell you otherwise wages go down because of all the alien workers from across the border that's the way it works and that's the way people want it to work yeah, it means U.S. citizens are less likely to take the work, which means we need more aliens. It's a system, and everybody knows it.
0: Whoa.
1: These wages, by the way, like according to this this reading that I did, are about $1.50 an hour. Ugh. Uh Another fun problem with these uh, farm labor contractors is that they're paid a fee per worker they recruit, which means, of course, that they will often recruit more workers than there is work for just to get more money. Since the workers are also charged so many fees just to come to the U.S., they will take like whatever job is available. So they come here, there's like not really maybe a lot of work or even the jobs that they were promised, but they've got to pay off these debts to the Enganchadores and the FLCs, which basically opens them up to be super exploited even further. Oh, <laughs> loving this, right? Super Yeah, fun. great.
0: Super pleased that we're you know part of this bullshit um, in our way. Again, fucking capitalism just fucking us over. I'm like the craziest thing, and I know that this is such a stupid and naive thing to say, but like, it's just crazy that people are okay treating other humans this way. Like, what a mind fuck.
1: And it's just like super out in the open, and that's what um the author is talking about it's just like there were no guards like the author's just they're like an anthropologist sociologist and basically just like went onto a farm and was just like hey like how are you like working here like what's your conditions like and they're just like oh yeah it's like really shitty like i'm doing like
0: doing bad doing real bad
1: yeah but it's Uh like you know just straight like out in the open and that's how uh, you know according to this chapter all of california's agricultural sector is like it's it thrives on low-wage migrant labor and as that quote with like from douglas it's like why would anyone change it it's like you can't because someone's just going to be undercutting you
0: and like if you're the one farmer who's like oh yeah i'm actually going to like pay a solid wage then you're either going to just get american laborers and like that's kind of problematic that they would be given better wages anyways and then or you're gonna get these other laborers and like you're the one asshole paying a fuck ton of money like that and that does nothing because the entire thing is still there it's far too but the
1: american laborers just like straight up don't want to do the job like that's like part like it's sort of like built into the system where it's like yeah like the wages are purposefully low yeah so that americans like don't take the job so that they can because that's also one of the stipulations with that specific like guest work visa Mm. is it's like it can't like it has to there has to be like proof that no Americans are taking the jobs.
0: Which, just like, like again, gotta go. the audacity. <laughs> like, all I can picture is, like, just a bunch of, like, jackass, like, fucking pro-Trump people just being like, they're taking all the jobs. And it's like, you're so lazy.
1: I mean, it, it, yeah, but, like, why do you want to do this job? It's just, like, I think the par- problem isn't necessarily that nobody wants to do the job. It's that whoever is gonna do the job should be treated like
0: a human a being. human being, mm-hmm. um but yeah, I think I'm having trouble like differentiating the idea of like, ah, oh, yes, I would be a farm worker versus oh, I would be a farm worker for like no money, Ugh.
1: but it is not new no. like obviously, so as we you know obviously the American agricultural system relied on literal like very overt slave labor for centuries. But uh, as abolition loomed near and was eventually ratified in 1865, tens of thousands of migrant workers from Mexico started working on American farms. So that's like kind of like the first instance of like peop- like Mexicans mm-hmm. coming into the States to work on the farms. Uh, then in the 1860s, because there was like even there's so much work, the U.S. also began importing Asian farm workers. Oh fun which then of course led to you know lots of racist problems. Um first guest worker program started in 1921 and focused again on those Mexican laborers. However, when the depression hit and the dust bowl basically dried up all of the work and farms, uh 500,000 Mexicans were deported.
0: Oh gosh.
1: In 1942, there was another farm labor shortage, so the Emergency Labor or Bracero Program was created. This is a direct predecessor to the H-2A visa program, which allowed uh, temporary and seasonal work for migrant laborers who were promised equal treatment, which obviously did not happen and was rife with the same problems as the current program.
0: I'm curious just... Did you get any impression that there's any sort of, like, governing body that's, like, kind of concerned about this sort of stuff? Or is it, like, because you said it's so overt, is it, like, everybody's just like, eh, fuck it, like, this seems like it's going okay. Like, we're not going to check in on anything.
1: Well, Lee G. Williams, Uh the U.S., like, from the U.S. Department of Labor, uh, he literally called this Bracero program a system of legalized slavery. Ah, fun. And then this was also kind of like at like near the end of this in the 60s, there were like a bunch of strikes. This was like Cesar Chavez is around and it's like civil Mm. rights movement. So people are kind of being like, hey, like maybe, maybe not, Like maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Uh, So then it finally shut down in 64. But during its 22 year run, 5 million Braceros came and worked in the U.S., making it, according to Kara, the author, Quote, the largest foreign worker program in U.S. history, larger even than the 3.5 million African slaves brought into the United States during the entire time of the Atlantic slave trade.
0: Wow. That's crazy. I did not realize the scope of that. Yeah. How are all of these people, not just every day, murdering all of these shitty white people? Like, not to be, like, so extreme, but, like, just another fucking travesty. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean and the thing is so it's like this obviously is like just focusing on California, but it happens like everywhere where there's farms, definitely in other countries. It's just like the United States is where it's always easiest to get like information and like stuff. And also and it's
0: probably I feel like the most like not I don't want to say extreme, but like the most kind of like eye catching in terms of the problematic bullshit. I guess. I
1: don't know. And, like, because there's so much other, like, tensions with the border. Mm-hmm. So, actually, then I want to so
0: yeah. do,
1: like, a quick se- segment on, like, visas today. Because that modern slavery was written in 2017. Mm-hmm. And a lot has changed in <laughs> three years. Mm-hmm. Um, So, there's an Economist article titled America's Guest Worker Boom from January 18th of this year.
0: Also, just, like, we should stop saying guest worker boom. Like, that's just so... Like, that breaks my fucking heart, just hearing that, like, specific set of words.
1: Like... That's what it's called.
0: And obviously, like, we can't... Not... But, like, you know, you... Like, we work in a place where we call people guests, and it's because we treat them so well. And, like, I love having, like, guests over to my house, and I want to host them, and, like, that sort of stuff. And, like, how fucking horrible to just, like, ugh, pollute that yeah. lovely ideal. Language is... So significant, right? Oy, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So um despite uh number 45's call to seal up America's southern border, the numbers of migrant laborers arriving with these H2A visas have apparently increased recently, like by a lot. Shocking. So we see 408,000 visas granted in 2019 compared to 103,000 in 2010.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, it's huge. Uh, So the article directly addresses, although without acknowledging that this is on purpose, what the farmer in Kara's book was talking about in regards to these labor jobs. So the economist says, uh, quote... There are jobs available for people who want them. The problem is that many people do not. In industries such as agriculture, many employers say they cannot find workers willing or able to fill low-wage jobs. Oh. Uh, they, they mentioned the Brassero program briefly and kind of like dance around the fact that these workers were not always treated well, calling it, quote, potentially exploitative. <laughs> but um yeah, mostly... The Economist has nothing but good things to say about the US agricultural use of migrant workers. I mean, okay, like they're just like, this is a thing. Like, it's, they're calling it a boom. Like, it's not, hey, look at all these people who are coming in here and being like forced into labor. All right. So, one more thing before we get into like out of this depressing pit that I've forced us
0: in the depressing avocado pit. pit. yeah. <laughs>
1: Very good. I, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, June. 22nd very recently uh the white house issued a quote proclamation suspending entry of aliens who present a risk to the u.s labor market following the coronavirus outbreak oh so yeah because i was like what does this mean for these people so h2b visas which is like non-agricultural Mm-hmm. like the non-agricultural version of this same visa were mentioned as what the republican government considers detrimental to the d- domestic u.s labor market so those people have got to go
0: so just to confirm who are the people that are getting those kinds of visas are those like people who are working like office jobs or like like a different uh, class sort I, of? Need,
1: I don't know i think it's I'm imagining because it's kind of, like, the same H2, like, structure, oh. it means, like, seasonal, like, temporary work, mm. but it's just, like, not in agriculture, like, maybe, like, I don't know, like, factories? I don't, it's, Yeah. Yeah. But, so, the H2A visas were not suspended because they are considered, quote, necessary to ensure grocery store shelves remain stocked with fruits and vegetables
0: ah the lovely so expo- don't
1: worry if <laughs> slavery is alive and well
0: oh that sucks okay so let's get back to avocados guys so quick, like just before we did my that like yes. how okay am i just supposed to be looking for avocados grown in mexico when i purchase mine like is that a way to be less exploitive in our purchasing power of it
1: Mm. Or oh yeah, like
0: problematic because isn't there like a whole thing about like drug cartels running the Mexican yes or, like, avocado trade?
1: I tried so hard to look up information about avocado cartels because like, I also know that there was like like ten years ago there was a whole thing with like lime cartels when like the prices of limes like skyrocketed. I remember that that was such an ordeal. mhm mhm oh yeah. Um, but I couldn't find any information, and Kara that- basically is like. <laughs> everything is grown using, like, like all farms. You can't you eat. There's nothing to do. You can't do anything.
0: <laughs> there's just, you know.
1: I mean, okay, I would say try and buy local. Like, that's always, like, the classic, like, buy things that are grown near you. Don't buy fruits or vegetables that have been, like, shipped from yeah, exactly. China or Chile or Spain or wherever. Like,
0: And that I think is what kind of comes down to it is like, yes, it's so great that we have all these opportunities to eat this food that's like so far reaching, which we wouldn't have had like a couple hundred years ago. And that's so lovely and so cool. And now it's so integral to our diet. Like I, again, I can't imagine not having avocados in my daily life. Like when you say buy things that are local, I'm like, but I can't get a local avocado and I need my avocados. Like that's how it hurt. Like immediately that's where your brain goes. But like we have to start making some changes on that.
1: I know I think I mean just like talk about it like tell your friends it. like donate to like good labor organizations which of course is something that I should have like looked up and had resources but mm-hmm. I didn't maybe we'll post some I'll do yeah. some research after this we In can the post and show or notes. like
0: uh, yeah. groups for advocacy groups for migrant workers that sort of stuff yeah yeah and it's just been- like
1: I don't know vote for better people
0: that's the fucking issue is that there aren't better people <laughs> everyone is trapped that is running everything is a garbage situation america needs to... sorry america's fine whatever um it's also on a... a pile of crap yeah i didn't say that whatever um sorry the other thing that i'm just like On a side note is in, I don't know if you ever saw this, but, like, I am from farming town people in the suburbs of Ladner, (laughs) uh, where there was constantly, like, you would see a lot of, like, these Mexican or, like, Hispanic in general uh, workers who would be, like, biking through town. Like, they would bike from Tuason to Ladner, which is quite a substantial bike ride, actually. It's, like, a 10-minute drive, but I think it's, like, probably a 45-minute bike ride. But you would see them, like, biking all the time. And, like, when I used to work at the local Dairy Queen, we had... One of the managers was from Colombia. And she would, like, talk to them because, again, they could barely speak English. And she could speak Uh Spanish so they could, like, communicate to them. And she was saying how she had a friend who... Part of her job and, like, something that she'd actually done in, like, different times and different places was to, like, help these people out to, like, show them how to, like, go to the grocery stores and, like, where they could, like, find the things that they need and, like, how to, like speak the language a little bit better and like just like basic lessons on like Mm. how to get by kind of thing which is really interesting and then it made like I've constantly been wondering like through the years I'm like I don't know how like exploited those workers are like I want to imagine that in like the lovely town of Ladner they're doing okay but uh you don't know yeah it's probably shit all right sorry continue
1: it's fine avocados in the world today blessed so avocado production uh, quadrupled from the 80s to the 2010s, which makes sense anecdotally. Uh, likely related to a push from the California Avocado Commission to market avocados from a health food standpoint.
0: Is Gwyneth Paltrow part of this organization? <laughs> no. One would think.
1: At least, no. Maybe she is now. She's secretly
0: bored. So. <laughs>
1: In 1997, the California Avocado Commission began actively researching, communicating, and advertising the health and nutritional benefits of avocados. Hmm. So, they focused initially on the specific nutrients found in the fruits, so like fatty acids, vitamins, and minerals. Uh, But then, more recently, or then later on, rather, the research shifted to highlight phytochemicals and their health and disease-reducing benefits.
0: Ah. All the good stuff.
1: Yes, in the early two thousands, there was a magazine, read, ad, brochure, called <laughs> California Avocado Healthy Times. I <laughs> love it. Whoever came up with that should be fired.
0: Yeah, that's it's like trash and amazing at the same time. It's just like too many words. Just, it's just they're like if we just say it all in one burst, we'll get them all.
1: Yeah, it's like you're reading the California Avocado Healthy Times.
0: Oh, can you imagine answering the phone for that company?
1: Oh, <laughs> 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 <Ugh, laughs> hate. hate. Uh, so now it's like, so that magazine existed, but now it's just like a section of the California avocado website, which is complete with full nutritional info. So you can totally get the nutritional breakdown of an avocado. And apparently we should only be eating a third, like a third of an avocado is a cervix size, which.
0: How do, you- How do you eat a third of an avocado? You always have to have two friends nearby. That's insane. Just call it a half. Just call it so. Or like not even that, but like what I'm not gonna put half an avocado back. That's gonna be disgusting the next time I get to it.
1: Oh, I do that a lot.
0: Really? Okay, but I have serious issues with like a little bit of brown on my food.
1: That's true. I mean I always scrape it off. And then usually like the amount of times like you've gotta throw out the other half because it's just too far gone.
0: I guess this is why I guess this is why people get married. So that there's someone to eat the other half of their avocado.
1: The only reason. Yeah. Or have a roommate. We've cracked it. (laughs) Alright, so in this nutritional section of the California Avocado website. So yes, nutritional info and also like recipes. And listicles with the clickbaitiest of titles, for example. Why Fiber Should Be Your BFF. Five wait, five superfoods for dudes. <gasps> and eight reasons why California avocados are a superfood.
0: I'm obsessed. I'm mostly obsessed that they've like decided they need to market these to men more because yeah, they do have women by the balls with our avocado toes. <laughs> really enforced everything there. We're sad.
1: During their research, this avocado California Avocado Commission. It's very specific. These are not Florida avocados. Oh, no. No, no, no. This commission decided that focusing on public relations to disseminate this health promotion rather than, like, direct advertising was a better strategy, which obviously is true. And it was clearly highly effective because they were able to get a lot of attention without spending a lot of money. And now it is accepted knowledge that avocados are a healthy food, which, I mean they are
0: what exactly but. were they doing like could you like give examples of the behaviors that they or like the activities they were doing to do this like in person kind of
1: i guess they were just like i like whispering in the ear of like like they had basically just like someone who's like a pr rep for avocados who's basically going around to be like these are so healthy news articles like picked it up and just like
0: i'm picturing some like real keeping up with the Joneses bullshit where they're like trying to yeah
1: yeah. Like having, and so it's like, like you just, parties. yeah, you get like one like women's health article that's like avocados, like the new superfood, like basically doing like that kind of thing. And like, mm. gotcha. Then all of a sudden you've got doctors recommending like avocados for like a heart healthy diet. It's like literally the same story as margarine. Ugh. Like in a lot of ways, except that like, you know, like actual research was done. Like avocados are healthy. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, apparently not if you eat more than a third, but...
0: (laughs) I am so deeply resentful for that. Yeah. (laughs) I am not finding two people to share my avocado with. Well, would you like
1: to know some tea on avocado ripeness?
0: Spill that tea.
1: So, spoilage rates are very high, obviously, because avocados require very careful handling and, like are being shipped, like, very far distances when they're coming from, like, tropical zones into all over the world. Tracked, yeah. So, apparently, the Kenya Agricultural Institute mm-hmm. experimented successfully with slowing ethylene hormone production, which is the thing that gets fruits to ripen. Yeah. And they somehow, like, modified it so that avocado shelf life increased from 5 to 10 days. Really? Mm-hmm. That's I don't know really the year of this, this article was from, like, 2007?
0: So That's really interesting. recently. I don't know if you're going to talk about this, but I read an article about how they have, like, the ethylene. Is that the word? Um, They have, like, a spray, basically, that they do for the fruit. So that that way they, like, had video footage of people, like, in supermarkets touching the avocados. They're like, oh, they're too firm. They left without buying them. So, like, we got to do something about this firmness. So they would, like, there's, like, a room where they spray all of it with, like, to like ripen them to ripen them up so that they're like ready to go once you get there which clearly isn't being done at my grocery store by the way
1: no no but it's also like this is the problem with like all of this like shipping food around the world again another reason to like buy like more Mm -hmm, local mm -hmm. foods but it's like because they like they're messing around with the ripeness like even sometimes by the time like you get an avocado ripe it's like It's not properly, like, it it didn't ripen naturally because they, like, sprayed it with stuff to make it, like, ripen faster. Or then they slowed it down so it's, like, never ripe and then all of a sudden it's, like, too ripe.
0: So really, it's not avocados' faults that they're so goddamn persnickety. It's us. We've ruined them.
1: We made them persnickety so that we can ship them to, like, Iceland. I don't
0: know. Iceland's food is so fucking expensive. If you're buying an avocado there, I bet you it costs, like, $30. Horrifying. Anyways.
1: So, um, making avocado oil Mm. is a fun way that, like, growers got around, like, because, like, they were having so much, like, spoilage and stuff, even with this thing. Yeah, so when the fruit is too damaged or just, like, generally unfit for sale, you can, like, turn it into oil, which... Studies have been done that show that it's, like, avocado oil is really good, not only for cooking, because mm-hmm. it's got, like, a low smoke point, I believe.
0: Or isn't it high smoke point because it smokes? Like-
1: high smoke point? Oh, yes. I always get it confused. I
0: don't know. I, I feel like I could be wrong. I, I, think,
1: I think it is one of the ones that's, like, it's good for cooking like that, kind of like coconut oil. Mm. Um, but it's also, like, really good for use in beauty products because... Mm-hmm. It's more readily absorbed into the skin than like other oils. So it's like really good for creams, makeup bases, conditioners. Mm. It's also been used as a natural sunscreen and as topical relief for eczema.
0: Sunscreen, hey?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Again, this was just like a thing that I read. I don't know if it's like, do you just put the oil into sunscreen or do you like is it the base? in, like, a sunscreen. I'm like, you mix it with zinc.
0: like, making a guacamole and
1: just, like, fucking spreading it on. No, it's not avocado, <laughs> it's the oil! I know, oh, but... Oh, my God.
0: Oh, great. That would be
1: so disgusting. You'd be like... Because it would get brown, like,
0: in a second. Oh, and you're just, like, lying out on the beach, like, baking in avocado goo. Oh. oh horrible. So horrible. I also read somewhere that apparently there's like some sort of a chemical reaction that can occur in avocados that like they can reduce bruising in humans. Oh. Again, don't quote me on that. That's like just something I came across briefly.
1: Interesting. Right? Like, do you apply it topically or just like eating avocados makes you bruise? Topically.
0: I feel like it's literally like you just sit next to the fruit and then you're better. (laughs) Like that was the vibe They're just like, just hang out with us. Like, it's fine. Again, the whole vibe I got of avocados from all my research was just like, Pardon me. Just like, yeah, guys, like we're here for a good time, whatever. Like we'll figure it out. Uh,
1: Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like, like we've sort of we've mentioned Gwyneth Paltrow. We've mentioned ways to make avocado toast. I think like we're kind of on the tail end. I think of the put an avocado on everything trend. Like avocado roses. Did you? I
0: love. I hate it. Cooking eggs in avocados. Ew, that's- or the lattes in avocado bowls. What the fuck? What? No. Have you not seen this?
1: I refuse. I I don't even want to know about it. It's
0: deeply traumatic to watch. I'm like, what are you doing? Ew. Yeah.
1: Also, ew, is guacamole filled onion rings.
0: That's disgusting. Because, like, the temperature change would be so severe. Like, you'd be getting, like, a cold guac- or you'd- like, guac is only good when it's cold inside a hot a wall
1: yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh then i just wrote paying for guac as like a yeah concept. fuck that noise but it's just like it's such a thing it's like yeah like of course i'm gonna like yeah paying for guac like i don't know i feel well, just... like yeah i can afford the
0: guac i got you
1: yeah or like of course we're getting guac because okay. like pff, of course you are of course you are so, yeah, all of this is linked to the marketability of wellness and self-care, which, I don't know, we could get into, but. Ugh. So much. Which But it actually does tie us directly into, like, the whole, like, millennial thing. Mm. Which brings us to, of course, the millennials reading too much avocado toast scandal of 2017.
0: <sighs> Again. I never even actually, like,
1: read this actual article.
0: Didn't you? Have
1: you? I think so.
0: I feel like almost positive I read that when it came out.
1: Yeah, it's just like a
0: shirty dude just being like, "Guys, you can't afford houses if you keep buying these avocados."
1: So it's yeah. So it's Tim Gurner who is like an Australian like billionaire. Yeah, but like talked to this like Australian like news program and was like his quote was. When I was trying to buy my first home, I wasn't buying smashed avocado for $19 and four coffees at $4 each.
0: That quote is a hate crime.
1: Well, okay, you want to know what is more of a hate crime? They tried Tim Gurner's a fucking millennial.
0: What? Who is?
1: The guy? guy who said this is a millennial. Ugh. Fuck off. He was 35 when he said this, which means that he's now, what is it, like 38?
0: The cutoff is is like, millennial is so much longer than we think it is, and people love eight. to talk shit. Or, like, 81 to 96. Bullshit. Also- They're, like, 40. <laughs> yeah. The, like, all those things during, like, COVID being, like, the millennials are out at the beach just partying and not caring. It's, like, millennials are old and have back problems now. Like, you're rude.
1: Yeah. It's just, like, not only do I personally feel personally attacked because-
0: we're tender millennials. although actually, apparently, barely, but barely.
1: Um, yeah, that's that was the most wild thing about me, like actually, like looking at this article and being like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> like, just lack of self awareness. Uh,
0: yeah, it's. I don't know. I'm like, I should be allowed to eat avocado toast if I want to, without shame. I actually- well, I mean, th-
1: th- the basis of his argument is extreme. Like, it's not true. It's the reason that nobody can afford homes is because the because the boomers did ruin everything.
0: Yeah. Like, fuck the boomers per use. Um No, his article is rude. I don't want people judging me for my article thing. I just, like, I feel like there also needs to be a brief mention of how, like, I feel like maybe after that article or maybe even, like, during or before, there was this huge, like, I feel like it's a little bit gendered. Like eating the avocado mm. toast and like the judgment of like young, dumb millennial girls who like just go out and buy avocado toast and like take a picture of it and like, marr, 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 marr. like, I don't oh, know. yes. It's so definitely. interesting how like a food that is just good for you, like the avocado, and then like avocado toast is legitimately delicious. Fuck anyone who says otherwise. Like, how can you be shamed for eating something good?
1: I mean, okay, and I also would like to be like, how dare someone charge $20 for bread and avocado? Like, also that. Capitalism is the devil. Just, like, the whole, like... Ugh, I don't think they exist as much anymore, but that... The the time when there were just, like, toast restaurants. Like, restaurants that were just, like, serving, like, toasts as a thing. And it would be, like... For, like, yeah, $15 to $20, you would get, like, a piece of toast. And, like, sure, like, I'm sure the bread was great. But it's, like, I can... I make my own bread, too. Like, it's fine. Yep. And, ugh, like, avocado or, like, a cheese. I'm just, like, open-faced. It's hard to eat.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing. I want everything to be... I want to be able to eat everything with a knife and fork. I don't want to use my fucking hands for shit. I mean, I guess you eat a toast with a knife and fork. I suppose. But, like, eh. Anyways ridiculous or like those cereal bars that were like a thing which okay a part of me is still obviously obsessed with it because i fucking love novelty cereal but like buy your own cereal just buy it yourself but like the cereals you can't get access to here that's what i'm saying i guess like mass importers of weird like anyways i didn't go i'm not going to go you've seen that i feel like you showed it to me actually that video or maybe you didn't of um There was, like, a documentary, and this guy went into, like, one of those cereal bars in, like, this really expensive area of, like, or not really expensive, like, an area of London that was being gentrified very, very rapidly and, like, used to be super cheap and affordable, and then the guy was like, hey, so, like, you know the people who live here are, like, literally can't afford anything and are, like, they spend, like, 30p on, like, breakfast cereal and you're charging, like, five bucks a bowl, so, like, what do you think of that? And he's like, yeah, like, it's affordable, and then he's like, no, it's not, and he's like, oh, uh, it's, like, the funniest video. I
1: have not seen that. I wish I had shown that to you. I'll try and find it. It's quite good.
0: Uh, Anyways, well, that's the end of the depressing era of avocados. Like, I feel like... <laughs> For such a lovely, I delicious just... food, this was a real bummer.
1: I know! I know, and, like, I did know that I was gonna take us down this hole, but then it was like... <sighs> yep. Sorry, guys. But well, But now you know. And we're now you know, and now you better. can learn. Yeah, and just like, I don't know. Just like, eat avocados and be nice to people. I guess. Yeah. Make donations. to, like, Yeah, like to every
0: like, time you eat an avocado, 50 <laughs> cents goes in the jar, and then afterwards you're like, okay, and here's the money I'm sending somewhere. That's actually a great idea. I think I'm going to do that. My shame huh. jar for all the food that <laughs> I should be eating. Tropical yeah. fruits.
1: Mm. you don't well, eat I'm bananas gonna- at least so
0: yeah thank god I'm gonna have to do this for mangoes though you know I fuck heavy with a mango
1: mmm
0: yeah they're so fucking cheap in Toronto compared to Vancouver it blows my mind like every time I go to the store I'm like how is this possible that they're so much cheaper it's insane
1: I, is it closer to
0: the Caribbean no. I guess but like I, don't know. I guess like the east versus I don't know it's weird anyways the one thing that is cheaper in <sighs> Toronto than in Vancouver fucking hell audacious how much they charge for things here ridiculous we've really
1: petered out on this one
0: <laughs> okay bye
1: no um anyway yes thank you for listening everybody and for sticking with the this train wreck
0: <laughs> um it's been a slice we'll see you later yeah okay <laughs> i waved like i would fucking say goodbye to the only jesus christ
1: we'll see you next week bye